Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. You're listening to Trinity Stories, a podcast where we take an in-depth look at the stories of the redeemed at Trinity City Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. Today, we'll hear from Josiah Barrett, who serves as the Director of Faith Formation at Trinity. Last summer, with blazing forest fires to the north, Josiah had a near-death experience while leading a men's ministry trip to the Boundary Waters. Come and hear about God's faithfulness to and presence with Josiah, and the way the Lord provided for him, even in the middle of the woods. Josiah, maybe... um... Maybe to start off with, uh, people obviously see you up front leading uh, our time in musical worship. Um, what would you say, and not to have an, an, an office space reference this early in the podcast, but what would you say it is that you do around here as the director of faith formation? That's, that's an excellent question. Um, my role here at Trinity consists of three things, and what unites them is that all three aspects of my job work to to shaping, um, whether that be through the built environment for our teenagers or through the liturgy on Sundays, shaping our spiritual formation as f- folks that are part of the community of faith here at Trinity. So the three main ways, as I hinted at, are through Sunday, through leading the music team. Um, and part of that, I work very closely with the AV director. Um, so music in general is a huge part of that and planning the liturgy in general. Uh, working close with Pastor Brian. The second part is maintaining the building, mm-hmm. um, which has been more like project management, really, than just like fixing the toilet when it breaks. I do that too, but honestly, we don't have as much of that as you might think, which is yeah. which is great. Um, yeah. And the third aspect is developing and, and working alongside our youth ministry mm-hmm. and getting that off the ground. Yeah, yeah. Well, you did just go through one major project because you had the Fellowship Hall just get completed. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So you were over all that, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man. And you're also uh, now a dad for the third time. That's right. Three hundred. Uh, three hundred four. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about. Tell me about number three. She's awesome. Yeah. Philippa, aka Pip. <laughs> oh, that's a great nickname. Because she's a little Pip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Now the reason we're here uh, today, hearing your story, is because there was a moment in time couple months ago where you weren't sure if you were going to meet Pip or not that's true yeah that's a that's a good good way to put it yeah so why don't you why don't you walk us through so uh, for those of you don't know Josiah had a uh, well I think anybody would call like Mm -hmm. a near-death experience um, during one of the uh, men's ministry trips so can you walk us through kind of the background of, of of the trip itself and and what was everything leading up to the experience. Yeah, so I mean, we planned the Boundary Waters trip. I planned it in the winter, and uh, as a men's ministry, as kind of a vehicle to launch an official beginning to men's ministry at Trinity. There's been men's ministry in the past, but not launched as an official team. So, yeah. the Boundary Waters trip was hopefully going to be the vehicle for doing that. And we had a curriculum we did beforehand, and then we were going to be five days in the Boundary Waters. I knew that there were forest fires. Mm-hmm. And had been on the phone with forest rangers up there, and you know they said the fires are minimal; they're not going to be in your area. Don't worry about it. You guys are cleared to come mm-hmm. up. And um, I guess probably another piece for background: I used to be a professional wilderness guide. I studied that in my undergrad, mm-hmm. outdoor education. And so, I mean, I have I 
I don't have it all written down, but I have north of 500 days guiding people of various ages and yeah. kind of various means in the woods, whether it be canoeing or backpacking or whatever. So I've got lots of experience. I know how to plan a trip. <clears throat> we get up there. I check in with the ranger in Ely. Mm-hmm. And um, the northern half, or really two-thirds of the boundary waters is in Canada. Yeah. Hence boundary waters, boundaries between the two two countries. And um, the ranger just mentioned that the Quetico, which is what they call the provincial park, Canadian side, is closed. Mm-hmm. And I just, honestly, I didn't think about it. I was like, okay, that's... We were going to be in areas where some of the lakes to our right, the direction we were going would be America, the left would be Canada, mm-hmm. and so you just can't camp on the Canadian side. Yeah. Um, and I guess I probably assumed it was a COVID thing. I know they've shut down a lot of their provincial parks during COVID, and so yeah. I didn't think twice about it. Uh, we worked with Outfitter, actually a free church camp up there, okay. um, Rock Ridge. So they kind of provide us food and some gear, a couple boats. Yeah. We take off. Several days in, we're doing great. Um, the Quetico was closed because of forest fires, mm-hmm. which I didn't know. Yeah. Um, the ranger didn't tell you it was forest fires. He just no. said it was closed. Yeah, he just said it was closed. Okay. So <clears throat> what we experienced was uh, the sm- there was lots of smoke, terrible air quality, and it wasn't from the U.S. side, it was from the Canadian side. To this day, I mean... Like I said, I've done trips all over, lots of long canoe trips. Yeah. I've never had such a long stretch of such little wind. Yeah. Um, and so the little breeze that there was was kind of blowing generally south. Okay. So all the smoke that's coming from the forest fires in Canada is kind of just slowly settling over us. Yeah. And then there's not enough wind to move it, move it out. So yeah. you're just kind of like hanging out all the time. You feel kind of like you smoked like a pack of cigarettes or something. Like everybody, you know, multiple people on the trip complained of like headaches or, mm-hmm. and it wasn't at a point where we needed to to end our trip, but it was definitely yeah. an environmental factor. How, how many days in did you notice the poor air quality? I mean, did you notice I mean, it from day one? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And it would sometimes the day was worse, sometimes it was better. It all depending on what yeah. the wind was doing, what direction we were heading. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, exacerbating all this, you have an asthma diagnosis, is that correct? Yeah, that's the other thing, is that's new. Okay. So I haven't had asthma my whole life until the last 18 months. Okay. And I hadn't done a wilderness trip, really. Since um, the diagnosis? Yeah. Or, yeah. I, I, had, I had done a personal trip actually like a week prior, but we are in a super dry, flat environment. Okay. Not a, not a problem. Yeah. And I brought, I have a daily and a rescue inhaler. I brought them with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this would have been our fourth, third night. We're gonna be four nights in the woods, our third night. Okay. And what um, month is this? This is July. Okay, okay. Middle of July, yep. Uh, I think our days were July 10 to 14, something like that, 14, okay. 18. So um, long day on the water, but our group was really, Functioning really well. We we're making good progress. Um, I think everybody's having a great time. I was having a great time. Yeah. We we're doing really well. And we got into camp that afternoon. Long day. We probably got in 4, 4.30. Okay. So we uh, got camp set up. And then we, you know, rocky outcropping into this lake we were in that we have been paddling on. It was really nice. We got out and swam around. It's kind of chest deep. 
How many cool. are there? Oh, there was uh, eight. Eight, okay. Eight total. Okay. Yep. Okay. Make sure that's right. Yep, eight total. We have four teams. Okay. Yep. Okay. And uh, you know, I was on, so we kind of rotated who did what chores. Yeah. And I was on a team with two other fellas doing supper that night. So we started cooking supper, and as we're finishing the meal, I start just feeling really bad. Mm-hmm. Just general bad. And I felt kind of nauseous, so we served the food and prayed. And people kind of started eating, and I was like, maybe I need to go to the bathroom or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I went to the bathroom, and before I had to walk past my tent to get to the bathroom, I hit my rescue inhaler because hmm. I noticed like some heaviness in my chest. Yeah. When I came back from the bathroom a few minutes later, I hit it again. And um, a couple minutes later, I tried to eat. Still just felt awful. Huh. And went back and got my inhaler a third time. And that was a red flag to me because I had never used my rescue inhaler more than twice in a day. Okay. And here I am in like a 10-minute period. I'm about to hit it for the yeah. third time. Yeah. So I grabbed two of the guys and said, hey, look, they were very experienced. It was uh, Ben Wright and Nick Wisniewski. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of experience in the woods. I just said, hey, you guys, just FYI, this is weird. I've never done this before, just so yeah. you know. And over the course of the few minutes we were talking, we decided, like, well, you know, let's sit you down in a chair, kind of get you in as much open air as there is. Mm-hmm. Um, pulled out maps and kind of looked at, well, if we had to take you out, you know, where would we go? Yeah. And we are at literally the worst point of our entire itinerary. <laughs> the nearest takeout's like 12 miles, three or four serious portages, which because the water levels were low, we found out later it was more like six portages. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, it's dusk. Yeah. You know, it's after supper at 7, 30, 8 o'clock. We're yeah. going to lose light here soon. And in about 10 minutes, I went from, like, I don't feel good to um, I got to sit down to I feel like I'm breathing out of a straw and within 20 minutes I was nonverbal oh, wow. so I couldn't talk um, my best friend David Miller was on the trip and someone called him over and he sat next to me and literally held my hand and I was kind of gesturing like I need to write I can't talk so he somebody ran to my tent and got my journal and I was kind of like writing out what was going on and um, at this point, I kind of like lost awareness of everything else around me. And my world kind of got, I've just described it as like my world got very small. I really wasn't aware of anything outside of like. Is it like tunnel vision? Is that. Not quite. Tunnel vision is kind of like, yeah, I mean, maybe. It's more like I knew things were happening, but I had no capacity to like care or understand. Okay. It was kind of like, everything was just very close. I don't know if you've ever been in a lot of pain, but it's like that. It's like, you just like, the world gets small. Yeah. And I've like, had serious injuries before. I kind of knew what what that was like. It was like, yeah, this isn't great. And, um, eventually, two, four guys left in two different communities to try to get help. Because what we realized is we didn't have a satellite phone. Okay. There was no way we were going to evacuate me, get me out. So their only thought was we need to get help in. Yeah. Um, and so the boats left, and that's part of the story, but I'll just stick to my experience. Mm-hmm. From my experience, I'm sitting there on the rock. I don't know where they're going, how long they're going to be gone. Yeah. And after, and, and I'm hitting my inhaler like every 90 seconds. 
and it's just not working. Like it's just not working. I'm going down, 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 like mm-hmm. harder to breathe. And it's funny because at no point in this whole process did I feel stressed. Mm-hmm. I think I feel more stressed telling the story than, <laughs> than I did in the moment. I yeah. wasn't scared. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I just wasn't alarmed at all. Mm-hmm. Like weirdly so. I mean, was it, like, the thought crossing your mind, like, oh my gosh, I would die? Like, was that involved in your brain, or or was that not really where your mind was? When I was close close to what I would describe as, like, the worst point in my symptoms, I saw, I'm looking out over across the lake, and over the tree line there were clouds, and the sun was setting, and I saw the clouds barely start to move away from us, Mm -hmm. and I had the thought, I wonder if I'll be alive for that to matter. Mm -hmm. Because if that... Wind blows the smoke away, and these kind of smoke clouds away. The air will be better, and I'll be fine. But I honestly didn't think I was going to be there when that happened. And I was sad. I kept thinking of my family. Um, Lindy had, at the time, our two kids overseas. She was in, in Denmark visiting family. And so I thought, man, that's going to really suck if she comes back. And I'm not here, right? Or she gets that call. She's coming back in a few days. And I was really sad for that. But as far as myself, I was overwhelmed with a sense of peace. Hmm. And honestly, what I kept thinking was, you know, since I started as a wilderness guide, what I most wanted to do was to go into the woods with Christian men and talk about spiritual things. And this was really my first real opportunity to do that. Hmm. And I was like, you know, I'm going to die one day. Do I really want to die when I'm like real old and senile and falling apart? Or do I want to be here with men that I know and love and love me Mm -hmm. doing what I love in this beautiful place? And like, honestly, everything I ever really wanted, like God has given me. Um, So I had no regrets, like no sense of like but there was one thing I just wanted it was like if it's time it's time and that feeling of safety and security and peace with like everything in life um, that like the Lord had given me the true desires in my heart and it was all good that that like overwhelmed me I started crying And I was trying to explain to David, like, I'm not scared. Mm. And all I could really do was... Are you still writing that journal at this point? Kind of. I, I like, leaned over and whispered in his ear. I, like, tapped my chest. I can't really describe, but I kind of, like, did, like, filling up sign on my chest. Like, my heart... And I was trying to whisper, like, my heart is full. Like, that's what it felt like. Like, I was so full of love and contentment and peace. Mm. And, uh... And eventually the inhaler just slowly started to work. Mm. So it went from, you know, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes into this was like my fingers and toes were uh, tingling, mm. which I know from like breath holds means like, I think it's hypoxia. I think I'm like my mm. brain is starting to shut down from lack of oxygen. Mm. And um, I even told him something like if, if I point at my toes, that means like they're tingling. Which was dumb because that's what they were doing. Like, yeah, I'm just not thinking. <laughs> yeah, clearly, right? yeah. like, um, David told me that my the whites of my eyes were completely blood red in both eyes, mm-hmm. um, and I actually did have some 
vision stuff going on in my left eye for a couple of days afterwards. Um, but it slowly started working. Uh, ben came back in the canoe, and a site across the lake from us, there was AMT. Oh, wow. So they kind of got together, came over. <clears throat> how long do you think this was after they left? Like, how long did this canoe trip take? For oh, probably 20 minutes. Oh, okay. <clears throat> 2025. Yeah. So by the time the ENT got there, I had bottomed out and was slowly starting to come back. Yeah. And I could whisper again. And um, he got up on the rock where I was sitting and was talking to me. He was a great young guy. He said, you know, well, I don't think you're having an asthma attack. At least it's not it's not so bad. Like, I couldn't hear you breathing when I was paddling up. And I was like, if you were 10 minutes earlier, you would have. Yeah. Like, I was right there. And uh, what I didn't know was asthma, what kills you is not just necessarily lack of oxygen, it's CO2 poisoning. Because the mm-hmm. CO2 builds up in your lungs and you can't get it out. So he actually laid me on the rock and shoved my chest into the rock. Um, almost the way I'd say if you were trying to like, crack somebody's back. Um, yeah, are you stomach down then on the rock or are no, you No, I'm, I'm chest up. Okay, chest up. So he has me exhale as hard as I can, which is not much. And then he shoves and it's weird, but like, when air comes out of you, but it's not air, it's not oxygen. It's like, oh. as far as I can push out of there, and then he pushed and the other air came out, and that was CO2, I guess. Oh it was like a weird wheezing sound, and he did that two or three times, and afterwards it was like, oh, wow, felt way better. <laughs> like, I went from, like, yeah. you know, t- 5% of normal to, like, 80% normal mm-hmm. after that. Because I didn't realize that that was what was so dangerous was the CO2. Yeah. So he did that once or twice more, kind of talked up a plan and uh, decided next day we were going to paddle most of the way out and then take out on Sunday. And we decided tomorrow we'll just go all the way, whatever we need to do. And um, eventually Nick got back in his canoe and we all kind of connected over breakfast the next morning. And, um, you know, I've, Honestly, by the time I went to bed that night, I was fine. I felt like basically normal. Yeah. The next day I was sore. It felt like a grown man had yeah. jumped on my chest, which yeah. he kind of had. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I felt felt great. Um, so yeah, I've like reflected on that a lot and kind of what it means. I still, I have a couple of like different ideas for songs. Um, David is an artist too, David Miller, and he said, um, someone told him once, if we ever have any like trauma in life as an artist, you need to like you need to make art mm-hmm. that kind of helps you like reflect and yeah. process what was going on so I have some unwritten unfinished songs mm-hmm. uh, like stirring around in my head that I gotta get out at some point but you know it made I think the big takeaway for me was um, like the peace of God is real mm-hmm. in a way you know that verse a peace that passes understanding it was a, a knowledge of security in Christ that was so much deeper than I could ever explain mm-hmm. I don't understand it intellectually but I felt it and that was really powerful really really powerful mm-hmm. and then of course like getting to meet my my third kid my newborn mm-hmm. and getting to see my children again and my wife what, it's when, pretty amazing when did you tell Lindy and the rest of the family I think I called her, we got back Sunday afternoon. I think I called her that afternoon. Okay. We like did the FaceTime thing. Yeah. Because again, she's out of the country at this point. 
Yeah, and fortunately, you know, she was a wilderness guide as well, so she has a lot of context for what was happening, what was going on, and the level of seriousness. And I was trying to impress upon her, like, like, yeah, that's about as close as I think as I could get to being gone without being gone. Yeah. And um, and also just explaining, like, trying to describe to someone you love like that, yeah, how much peace you had. You know, was really, really powerful. Unfortunately, she's a Christian, so she understands that too. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, the the last thing I'm thinking about asking you just to really bring it home is, uh, what what would you say to somebody who's listening, who is maybe, because Scripture talks about a fear of death. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Hebrews two mentions that we're subject to lifelong slavery to a fear of death so to someone who might be listening whether they're from Trinity or not um, how, how would you counsel somebody who's maybe afraid of an experience like that yeah I don't know you know it's weird because I've been in that situation where I've evacuated students on trips of mine yeah and some of them fairly serious injuries and that was way more stressful to watch than it was for me to go through this. And I don't, like, honestly, dude, it felt like such a gift. Because you never know. Like, I had no idea. Yeah. If you would ask me how I would feel in that situation, I probably would have said pretty terrified. Mm. But that's just not the way it played out. Mm. It could happen, you know, if I had another... You know, it's what I describe as my only near-death experience. But, like, honestly, I have no idea. Yeah. Like, I've spent a lot of time in the car on yeah. the highway. I don't know how many near-death experiences I've had. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think for me, what I would counsel is just, like, I think the to describe the feeling was an, an overwhelming sense that I had of the presence and goodness of God. Mm. And, like, it felt like if I were to go at that moment... It would have been such a gift, mm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say <laughs> we're glad that you didn't, and we're thankful that you were able to to share that story with all of us. So, yeah. uh, brother, is there anything you want to add? Anything I might have uh, missed or not gotten to? I'll just say, like you know. Absence from the body is presence with the Lord. You know, and mm-hmm. Paul talks about like that being the greater thing. It felt like the greater thing, honestly, in that moment, to be with the Lord than to be here. Mm-hmm. I'm also really freaking excited to be here too. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are we are excited to have you. We are excited yeah. to have you, Josiah. So, uh, with that, I will uh, conclude our time together and say thank you. Thank yeah. you for sharing your story. I know, sure. as you said, it's it's not easy recounting those things. <laughs> it was more stressful doing that than it was actually experiencing it. So, yeah. um, but but we're glad that you're you're with us, and we're glad that uh, the goodness of the Lord um, is real and it was tangible in those moments for you. So, yeah. All right, brother. We'll. Uh, We'll see you on Sunday. Yeah, we can worship. I'll be up right. there. Oh, no. <laughs>